When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I feel like Judd's more worked up about game one than I am. Just based on Twitter vitriol from your Twitter account. Your selfie video that you put out last night. Uh, I'm actually more mad about the Netflix Love is Blind fiasco. Yeah, I saw saw your tweets on that. My goodness. Dude, Netflix, this is your Super Bowl, man. Oh, we're going to do a live on-demand Netflix, right? For 15 years, on-demand Netflix. We're going to be in the live business. This is our Super Bowl. Love is Blind. Fart noise. What happened? Oh, their hamster wasn't churning the wheel, I guess. Oh, so no. they they were delayed for an hour and a half, and uh, they wound oh, up apologizing no. to everyone. <laughs> so I was I was already on edge because damn it, I needed my live Love Is Blind <laughs> reunion show, okay. And then that Wolves game happens, just a complete debacle and embarrassment. So where do you want to start, Judd? Where do you want? You go ahead. You tell me. Kyle and I were up till one thirty in the morning doing a live reaction show after that thing uh flagrant house you can find that so why don't you take us wherever you want to here well first of all um for the most part saturday and sunday were a celebration of basketball the playoffs were incredible the first two games on saturday weren't great the next two games were fantastic and sunday uh the first three games were all very entertaining Mm. um unpredictable road teams won and so I'm saying to myself, this is an NBA I don't necessarily recognize, but I love this. Now bring on the woofies. And um, very applicable is the fart noise that you made that, from Netflix. They just basically provided, and it start, and, and I'm sorry, Ant was not good. The whole team was bad. I get that. I totally get that. But I am still hung up on the fact that Carl Anthony Towns was awful. He was absolutely terrible. Um, his stats were bad, okay? 30 minutes, 5 of 15, 1 of 7 from 3, 10 rebounds, and 11 points. But if you dig deeper, he did nothing when it mattered. The, the Again, self-proclaimed leader of this team, the guy who says, I'm watching film, I know what's wrong, I'll talk to the guys, I've got this. Uh, he at the podium last night, you know, I know I'm a good shooter, I know I'm great, we just have to flush this one. And it's not the fact he said those things, that's fine. It's how he said them. Uh, You know, Mike Conley got up there. And again, he is the adult in the room. I totally get that. But Mike Conley got up to the podium and gave very thoughtful, honest, um, and and his demeanor spoke of of a guy who's like, holy cow, we need this. This is embarrassing. This is bad. Cat kept his head down, stared at the stat sheet, 
almost like the I'm too cool for for this after what was really a complete no-show. And, you know, the win over OKC was very nice. It was very impressive. But the reality of that game was it was a mismatch that the Wolves exploited. OKC is a much smaller team. And the Wolves did a marvelous job. And Chris Finch coached a really good game. But it felt like the Wolves felt that they had achieved something. And it's like, dude, you weren't even supposed to be in this play-in game. And then they said, yeah, but one versus eight, this isn't a true one versus eight. Our talent is not an eight seed. We're going to show you. And you came out for the second half. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. Somebody came out. I don't know if that was Phil, Judd, Declan, and two scrubs, too. I don't know who came out. So, yeah, I was really pissed off. And... I shouldn't be surprised by Cat, but this is the Cat that I just can't tolerate. I'm just done with this. Yep. Okay. All right. So that's I'm, how I feel. You know, it's funny because I'll lay know, back on the couch. I'm now. a I'm a hypocrite if I sit here and say, "All right, let's just kind of let this play out." Because I think it was after Game Three last year, I called Carl Anthony Towns a clown six times on the post game show and demanded a trade mid series. So I'm not going to get on you for being emotional after Game One. I'm going to continue as someone who has said Denver is vulnerable. I think the Wolves push this to a six or seven game series. Call me crazy. I actually don't. That that's that's maybe the worst game. Well, they had those. God, they had so many bad losses. They had the the Denver. <laughs> or they had the uh, the Detroit losses. You know, there's like the the losses to tanking teams in one bin. But then if you take all their games against actual competitive teams, that was probably their worst performance of the year. It was their least efficient offensive performance. I mean, they scraped to get 80 points in a modern NBA playoff game, for God's sake. So despite that, I don't think game one means that the series is over. This team is so weird, so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. They could just snap out of it and beat Denver in game two, and it would not shock me. And so I'm going to withhold my vitriol until a little bit later in the series for the most part. But I, what, what, one thing that really stood out to me last night, and and Denver and the and the Wolves played each other four times in the regular season. They split those games two and two. Jokic missed one of them. Towns missed all four. Uh-huh. So this, this was the first time that Towns and Jokic have squared off this season, and they've squared off a bunch in the past. I think the Wolves actually took three of four from Denver last year. So the Wolves have kind of had Denver's number at times. They can at least go toe-to-toe with Denver. But it's the first time we've seen Jokic versus Towns this year, and it's the first time we've seen Gobert and Cat on the court against the Nuggets. So there's a lot to sort of sift through here. But my biggest takeaway from last night, and it's more of a big-picture takeaway, is that Nikola Jokic is everything we've wanted Towns to be, but that he's not. Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic taps into his peak on a regular basis. His floor... Like, last night, he did not play all that well. I mean, hell, he had six fouls in 28 minutes. You know, he you know he scored some buckets, but that wasn't the, the A-plus Jokic game that we saw last night. It, it was still enough for the Nuggets to blast off to a 30-point victory. When Cat is playing at his peak, he's one of the top 15 players in the NBA. I think you saw peak Cat in the first three quarters of the Lakers game, playing game. You saw peak Cat against Oklahoma City. And you see it, you know, I don't know, 60, 70% of the time. He can be one of the top 15 players in the NBA. But Cat can't tap into his peak nearly as often as Jokic. And those guys are basically the same age. There's like a six, maybe four, five, six-month difference in age. Cat's been in the NBA for eight years. Jokic has been in the NBA for nine years. 
Jokic is always poised, always makes the right play, rarely gets flustered by circumstances. Cat all too often gets tossed the Rubik's Cube. You know, a big game, you got to figure it out. They're doubling you. Your shot's not falling. The crowd's going crazy. Opposing team is on a run. It's the playoffs. Here's the Rubik's Cube. Go solve it. And Jokic is like, beep, boop, 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 boop. Now, he's never won a championship, never got in the NBA Finals, and that's the criticism of Jokic. But Carl Anthony Towns stares at the Rubik's Cube about half the time in these big games and just throws up all over it. And that's what we saw last night. Now, could he bounce back and give you an effort like he did against Oklahoma City in Game 2? Absolutely. And he might. In that Memphis series last year, he had two or three games where he was maybe the best player on the court, right? But then he had two or three games where he was in foul trouble, he was you know, flailing his arms, emotional intelligence lacking. And so it is, it's very, very pronounced the difference between Jokic, a highly skilled big man, and Towns, a highly skilled big man, and how poised they remain and how consistent their level of play is in these big games. And didn't you see, though, like how Joker could, even if he wasn't as effective on the glass or making a big, big enough offense, I mean, his passing is incredible because he can draw so much damn attention he just has to swing the ball back out to the three-point line, and someone's going to cash it. Like, imagine that, all right, we're going to shut down Joker. Oh, uh, don't forget about Jamal Murray, who can absolutely take over a game just like anyone else, too. Um, and for me with Towns, dude, this is like the sixth game where it's just an absolute playoff dud. He had the Rockets game where he dropped five points, and all right, first taste of playoffs, that stinks. It was five years ago. Let's move on. How can you perform You know, going forward? In the Memphis series, he had an eight-point game. In this game, he had an 11-point game. The sample size are now starting to pile up a little bit, right? It's still small. It's 13, 13, 12 games in the playoffs. But there's now five, six games where your supposedly best player, your unicorn player, has just put up absolute dud performances. Yeah, and real quick, one, one of the big things, too, when you look at Jokic's career in the playoffs, he's played 49 career playoff games now. Towns has played 12, I want to say. Yeah, 12, 13. I think if you count the Rockets and the... Mm-hmm. In the Memphis series, Jokic's numbers and performance elevate. Now, again, there's a huge sort of elephant in the room that the Nuggets with Jokic, even though he might win his third straight MVP, this is a huge thing, right, that they've never gone to the finals. And so I'm not saying that he has figured it all out either, but he has sort of figured it out in the early rounds more than Towns has. And Jokic's individual performance goes up in the playoffs. His playoff point average is six more points per game than his regular season point average. His rebounds go up. His three-point percentage goes up. He just, like, dials it in in the postseason. Carl Anthony Towns in the postseason, his point average drops by five. His assists go down. His field goal percentage plummets. His three-point percentage plummets. The turnovers, everything. Like, it's two opposite dudes. One guy stays poised and elevates the other dude half the time just has a mental breakdown, it seems like. And it's not that they can't come back and win game two. It's not that it can't go six games. None of that. It is how you played in game one. It It is the level of competition. It is the fact that, that your self-proclaimed captain was awful. Ant was not great. And Rudy was a non-factor. And, and you know, I'm sick of, well, Nas isn't there and Jaden McDean. Okay, yeah, they're not there. Guess who has to step up then? Your star players, your supposed star players. And you got at the, you know, in a league now where we are seeing more close games after you've self-proclaimed, we are not an eight seed. That's just, uh, that's where we are, but we are better than that. You basically got boat raced the entire game. And the second half to me was disgusting. Like 
you're you're down by 11. You're not playing well, but you're down by 11. And Denver, and that's the thing is, Denver did not play the perfect game. So this was not like, oh, my God, the Nuggets. Did you see that team? They, they were exposed at times, and they were vulnerable. Like all the stuff that you said, Phil, going into the series, in my opinion, last night, we sort of saw some of that. And you got done by 29. That's the thing about it. And and I'm sorry, but I felt that there was a portion at least of the third quarter for sure before the scrubs came in and actually tried. They're just not that good. Where you just sort of gave up. Where you just was, sort of cashed yeah. it in. I think it was, and Kyle Anderson was talking about this after the game too, about how you know we need to realize that there's a different level of intensity and energy in these games. It's like, why is that a surprise at this point? You know, and, and I I, had, I was mostly on the Bally's, uh, Jim Pete and uh, yep. Michael Grady. Yep, so was I. But I was flipping back and forth because Gus Johnson, Greg Anthony had the TNT call. And I, and I like to hear especially what those guys are saying at halftime and stuff too. And so at the beginning of the game, I was watching the end of the Clippers-Suns game, and it just kind of rolled over into the Wolves and uh, Nuggets game. So I did catch the first five minutes on TNT. And at one point, Greg Anthony said, and I quote, these young Timberwolves might have some playoff jitters. Well, Ant is young, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker is young, but Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, and Kyle Anderson have combined for 171 career playoff games. If you include Carl Anthony Towns and you want to include Torian Prince, it's like 200 career playoff games between those five guys. Youth is not an excuse. Inexperience is not an excuse. So, again, I actually think they're going to punch back in this series. I said Wolves in seven. I will not move off that after one game. I might not move off it even if they lose game two because really, like, until you lose a home game, you know, you can you can still technically bounce back. But you can't say that, well, they're just like, they're trying to get used to the speed and intensity of a playoff game. Well, you just, you just played a bunch of playoff games, basically. The Pelicans game at the end of the year to get into the 7-8 game, the Lakers game. The, like, you've been playing playoff games for two weeks. Uh-huh. And you've played 200 actual playoff games between all of your players on your roster. So it's just kind of weird. I mean, in this, you know, some of this goes back to Chris Finch and coaching, too, and that do I think Chris Finch is a train wreck? No, I think Chris Finch has a lot of great. I mean, look what he did with that team last year. That, that team last year was the number one scoring team in the NBA, in large part because of Chris Finch, right? Yep, yep. But this team, even with the injuries, the sum of the parts does not equal what we're seeing. They've got, they, they haven't, are they the most talented team in the NBA, especially with the injuries? No, they're not. But should that team be scoring 80 points and look lethargic? Well, well, they've been, we've been playing a lot of games and Rudy's back. Okay, I get it. But like, guys are, guys are hurt. Look, look around the league right now. Giannis is back, is jacked up. John Morant can barely like play with his dribbling hand. They just, they, they so often look disorganized, undisciplined, and emotionally un, unintelligent. And I think, it's the way that they lose. Like if if they were to just lose a gunfight 127 to 125, you'd yeah. say, "All right, they were fighting. They just man, they just ran into yep. an A-plus game from Jokic, right? Or they just let Michael Porter Jr. get out and transition a couple times too many." It's just the way that they look sometimes that's really hard to justify and get behind. The minimum expectation from Cat last night should have been the game that the Joker gave Denver. That's the minimum cuz yeah, he didn't have a great game. He, but what did he do? He uses his skill when he's, you know, he uses his skill consistently to maximize his team. Um, Cat just sort of slinks away. Well, it's not going my way. It didn't shoot well tonight. I'll come back. 
Um, the other he kinda, thing, yeah, he kind of chalked it up to just like shots weren't going in. Yeah, that's no. I don't know that. I don't know that that was. <laughs> but I mean that that makes me see red. I mean that's ridiculous. This is the playoffs, and the, and yeah, and for for slow mo, who's a playoff veteran, to say you know our guys didn't, and and Mike Conley had a telling quote too about ta- about not understanding the magnitude. How do you not understand the magnitude of the playoffs? Like you just watched games. You played the late game on Sunday, baby. You just sat there and watched everybody else play. Guys are hitting the floor. I mean, you literally have star players, I think, doing irresponsible, dumb things because they want to win so much, and I do appreciate that. And the other thing, too, is, and this is where Finch is culpable. So is Carl, but Finch is, too. When things start to go bad, who's in control? Well, in theory, it would be it would be your, your coach, and it would be your star players, right? It wouldn't... Yeah. All too often, it's the role players that have to step in on this team and play adults. Yes. And it's great to have adults in the room. But it doesn't, to your point, it doesn't feel like, I mean, Anthony Edwards is 21, so it's a little hard to say, dude, it's your team, be the adult in the room. But how often does he ever show that sign to? There, there's some criticisms of Anthony Edwards here. He just, yeah, I know he's banged up, but he looks, he should be bringing crazy energy to these games. And he looks hesitant. He looks lethargic. He just he looks a little bit like deer in the headlights sometimes. He did have that spurt in the second quarter where he just kind of took over. Mm-hmm. But then he's missing layups well, and there's just a weird sort of like almost like a glaze over Anthony Edwards right now that I don't know what to chalk it up to. He looks like he's hurt and tired, which is absolutely probably true and I don't care. Look at the games, look at the guys, look at Ja. I mean Ja is hurt and tired and he's had a hell of a year. The dude hits the floor as hard as he possibly can because he's playing so hard. And and look, Ant plays hard. I'm not going to to sit here for a second and say he does not play hard, but you can't look tired in game one. You just can't. You can't. That performance was so unacceptable and so repulsive to me. And and it's such a sign of what this team is and how I either to use your term, Phil, emotionally unintelligent mentally weak they're a weak team they are a weak team i think guys like slow-mo and conley aren't but their whole like dna is a shrug ah, it's not going well what but are we some, gonna but do what's weird is sometimes it's not that's the crazy but, but thing it's about gotta, this team but it's got to be consistent it's got to be way more consistent and and it can't be uh well we're kicking okc's ass now it's fine you know what part of the pr- problem is part of the problem is this and this is going to sound very familiar and it starts with Cat. They're a great team when the circumstances are going their way. Well, Cat especially. When the Kat, conditions, Kat's a big time front running player. He but when the is conditions a are great right, great front running player. And when the conditions are right, my God, are they good? When things are perfect, my God, can they kick ass? Yeah. Adversity. This team shrivels, and I think that's one of the things that bugs. I think it bugs and surprises the veterans because there is talent. I get the impression just from like hearing a guy like Conley talk. I think there's a real realization of how mentally weak this team is, which is what Jimmy Butler identified. I still don't think the Jimmy went about it the right way, but I mean, this is a carry over of what every veteran who has sort of come seen and departed is like, you guys are just so weak. Okay. But Jimmy, well, you, but you can't say you guys with Jimmy. Because it's not like that was five years ago. There's only 
correct me if I'm wrong, there's only one holdover from that team. Oh, no, no, but I'm saying Jimmy saw that in Cat. And, that, and that, yeah. yeah, yeah, but but my point is, I still don't agree. I think his method was probably not the most helpful, but, you know, that's what he saw, which is Cat. I, I mean, this all, look, people can try to defend Cat all they want. This starts with Cat. He is a superstar max player who, when he's going well, again, when the conditions are right, is, to your point, a top 10 to top 15 player in this entire league. This this begins and ends. This is not football with a 53-man roster. This is not baseball with multiple. Basketball is a very small team, and your star drives the car. Yeah. And this guy drives the car off the cliff consistently. I think, yeah, I think what's really apparent here, whatever happens the rest of the series, and unless something crazy happens and they take they, they rebound from this and they take a huge leap and they beat Denver and they go on like, you know, they can still change the narrative if they just play well. But if we keep seeing the same pattern, I don't know how many more times you have to see it eight years in. Right. The cat is a supremely talented player who cannot be the guy you run your franchise through. And if you disagree with that, okay, we'll see what happens in game two, game three, game four, game five, six, et cetera. Right. But if you, if, if, if you believe what I'm saying last night was as much ammunition as you need. And two or three of those games against Memphis, right? It's yeah. This is what kind of bothers me. And it happened in the Lakers game, too. Well, look how great he was in the first three quarters. Yeah. Okay. But he didn't score a bucket in the fourth quarter when they had nine points until the Mike Conley foul and, and the overtime session. I don't think he took a shot in overtime. He certainly didn't score a point. And then the Memphis series. Well, I mean, you criticize him for those two games, but what about game four or whatever the, you know, what about the, the bounce back game? That's awesome. But, and this is the same thing with Kirk Cousins. It's like, once you reach a certain point in a salary cap league, stature, you are, you are anointed the team leader, money-wise, stature-wise. You're the one calling come to Jesus meetings with the coach, Chris Finch, after the loss to the Blazers, right? You're the one, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this clip. This was uh, put out by one of the Denver sports media outlets in shoot-around before that game yesterday. And somebody asked Carl, hey, what's it like? You got you have guys in the organization like, you know, like um, Tim Connolly and Chris Finch and a couple other guys who played for this Nuggets team. What's it like having those guys around with sort of firsthand knowledge and experience of your opponent? And he said, oh, it's great. I'm paraphrasing. He said, it's great. And then he said, you'll see tonight. Yep. You'll see tonight. I mean, you can't say confidently, you'll see tonight, and then get your doors blown off by 30 points in that game. It's just, it's such a bad look. It's a bad aesthetic. But if you give me Carl Anthony Towns as the third guy on a team with two other superstar players, and like if he went to Boston or something, or he went to some other team like Kevin Love did, and he can just sit there quietly and snipe threes and do Carl things like Chris Bosh in Miami, right? That's a game changer. But that's not what he is on this Timberwolves team. And as long as he is the guy that you're running everything through, both on the court, off the court, you're probably going to see these schizophrenic performances by the team. Like the team is, has sort of taken on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the team takes on the personality of Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, and you see that when they're when, – but then sometimes the team takes on the personality of Carl Anthony Towns, and last night was was one of those games. It's a weird. It's a weird vibe. Well, yes, he's a uh, you know to make a nice Academy Awards prediction. He's a better best supporting actor. 
He's not a best. He's not best actor quality. His his highest shine is going to be a best supporting actor on, on a on a good team at this point. We, we, and there might be nights where he gives you the star performance. Oh, and there's there's yeah. certainly movies right where the you could make a case. I thought the best supporting actor was actually the best actor or actress in the movie for sure. But you've seen enough at this point. He's he's just not ever going to be that guy. Well, the problem is it's never going to work here because nobody has the uh, the guts, and it's probably too late to tell him that. Like, it's very clear Butler tried. It blew up. It was a disaster. It's very clear that Connolly, being far more of a diplomat than Jimmy was, has said things that basically indicate that, okay, something's up here. Something's not right. But you know what? Carl's obtuse. He doesn't get that. Last night, he literally sits there, stares at the box score, uh, while peppered with questions off of just an embarrassment of a game. Just an embarrassment and he's like, oh, yeah, we'll come back. I mean, he might as well have been. If I played that press conference and took all references to playoffs out, you guys, and I played that for you, you might think that was a November game. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You know, and that's, again, some of these roads go back to Chris Finch. And maybe he would tell you, dude, you can criticize me all you want, but go find me Eric Spolstra, go find me Greg Popovich, go get two or three other great coaches. None of them are going to make a great gourmet meal out of these ingredients. Individually, there's some great ingredients. Together, the meal doesn't make sense. And that might be a fair argument. But if there is a coach out there, I would be curious to see, can a a coach get to Carl Anthony Towns in a different way? Is there a coach that can prevent 19 blown double-digit leads this season. They didn't have one last night. 11 of them in the fourth quarter, right? Like, there's some things here. Again, I feel like whether it's lack of leadership among Towns and Edwards, both on the court, off the court, or whether it's Chris Finch, it just seems like there's another level to this collection, even with the injuries, that's not being tapped into on a regular enough basis. And again, I don't want to hear, well, but look at the first three quarters against the Lakers. Well, look at these games over here. It's it, it's consistency to use Judd's one of Judd's favorite words. It's not mm-hmm. if and, and again I won't be shocked if they come back and beat the Nuggets in Game Two and if Carl Anthony Towns plays lights out. It will not shock me. But then Game Three, Game Four, at some point, eighth year in the NBA, a hundred seventy career playoff games between Conley, Gobert, Anderson. Like this thing needs to gel together. You can't just get swept out in four games. And when he comes back and potentially plays great, that's more of an indictment than anything on him. That's the problem. Again, if you lost a close game and Carl had played a competent, decent game and they lose, okay, that's fine. 
But the problem is his his posse has to point to three quarters here. How about that OKC game where nobody was like taller than six ten? You know, I mean, that's the thing about this. There is I get for every excuse that Carl's group can give me, I can give them a reason back why it worked, why the conditions were right, and why as soon as the conditions went wrong, even when he's not whining and moaning, he just sort of slinks away. It's like, no, dude, you're, this is your team now. And and two more things quick. First of all, with Finch, I think Finch would point upstairs, and we've seen this before. The Timberwolves have allowed Carl and Anthony Towns and the people around him to run amok. I think it's too late to fix it. I don't think you can bring in a coach now. I don't think you can bring in anyone who can stop it unless he's traded. The second thing is um, there should be, if there's not, a very real concern about Ant here and about Ant being so impacted by this, you you have done damage that can't be undone because he's seen the same crap, and he's going to think same rules apply to me. Yeah, you'd like to see it. Again, I want the series to play out before I start to get too far personally into what does the future hold because it's a seven-game series. So let's see what happens in the seven-game series. But, yeah, like if they lose in spectacular fashion, there's a lot of questions, and we will address them on Mackie and Joe. But I'm telling you, for game two, if I'm on underdog, <laughs> I'm taking some overs. I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the negative energy that people are uh, – Smelling from the Timberwolves right now, Declan. How about you parlay some wild predictions and some Timberwolves predictions and some Timberwolves wow. props and wild props on underdog fantasy, which you can do because there's going to be some overlapping games. Games two and three are going to be around the same time, so you can kind of get both sweat-ons. Dual TV screens, wild and wolves, taking over-unders on maybe Ryan Reeves hits. I even see those. There's hit props for NHL games. There are shot wow. props and... Assists and points and rebounds for Wolves games. Combine them all at Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. New users, if you'd like to sign up, you get a $100 promo bonus when you use the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app and show us those slips. Uh, also, a shout-out to our friends over at uh, Nutrisource. Maya Mackey, Stella Zolgad, Vinny Goff, dogs that love themselves some Nutrisource. Maya has her three scoops a day, and uh, it's the three happiest, well, the four happiest moments of the day. I would say the uh, the fourth one is the post-potty zoomies in the morning, too. Yes. She's very excited mm. about that. But mm. this is the face on YouTube of a dog that loves Nutrisource chicken and rice, gentlemen. And Stells is the exact same way. In fact, it's not even noon yet, and guess what? She's had breakfast. She's had a couple of rounds of treats, and that's because she demands only the best. She said, you know what, Pop-Pop, you can eat whatever you want. I'm eating Nutrisource because it's the best, and she's not wrong. Vinny boy, waiting for his treats. I'm, I'm, wicked, I'm working on the North Loop patio scene to have some Nutrisource locked and loaded, too, so you can your dog can look like this on a patio, sitting all perfect and prime, waiting for his Nutrisource treats. Nutrisource, petfoods.com to find a Nutrisource retailer near you. Just uh, just so I can get it off my chest, a couple small things that turned into big things that drove me nuts. Second quarter, Wolves got to the penalty at the 9-11 mark of the second quarter, meaning every foul going forward, they were shooting free throws. They shot like four free throws the rest of the half. Yeah. Be aggressive. Get to the line. Flop if you need to. Get to the free throw line. How do you not take advantage of getting into the bonus Less than three minutes into the second quarter. And Jordan McLaughlin, unplayable man. He was, yeah, why was such he a there? good backup point guard before the calf injury. 
And last year, too, I mean, remember, they benched D'Lo for Jordan McLaughlin because he was the better point guard in that series against Memphis. And he's like every time he gets in, he's a turnover machine. He's he's getting stuffed on the under underside of the rim, and uh, Austin Rivers actually came in and supplanted his minutes in the second half. And so I think Austin Rivers probably becomes your backup point guard at least for the eight to ten minutes that you were going to use Jordan McLaughlin. But man, I don't think you can play him anymore. And the Wolves are now zero and eleven when trying to move three games over five hundred this season. That's Better. right. That's a great stat. They've been. They've That's been them. two games over 500, whatever, 11 times. They are 11, 0 and 11 when trying to win the next game to get to three games over 500. Yep. Yep. They can never, but, but yet if they, if they fall a game below, you know what? We're coming back. We're going to show you. We're going to show everybody. That's what drives me crazy. They might this, show this, you in game two. <laughs> this team, this team absolutely drives me crazy and it's not a sustainable f- formula. They've got talent, but man, they don't know how to use it. They drive me nuts. So, all right, well, that's that's all for now. That was therapeutic. If you want more, you can listen to Flagrant Howls on either the Scornoth YouTube channel or the Mackie and Jetter Flagrant Howls podcast feeds for your Wolves therapy fix. Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd.